I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to a mini episode of Cinematic Universe, the podcast that's all about comic book movies, brought to you by FilmDivider.com. I'm your host Joe Cunningham and I'll be bringing you a truncated version of the show to bridge the gap between our Iron Man 2 and Christmas slash end of the year special episodes. On today's show I'll give you my reactions to the comics that Seb and James recommended on last week's podcast. Those were Iron Man, The Secret Origin of Tony Stark and Secret Avengers Issues 1-5. to But before any of that, let's take a look at some of the comic book movie news that has broken over the past week. And first off, we're starting with Deadpool, one of the 17 new comic book movies due to be released next year. And while a new trailer for the film is expected to drop on Christmas Day, so I'd look forward to that particular present, um, we've also recently had a brief IMAX trailer that was released, a new poster, and also the announcement that Colossus has been recast in the film, with Andre Tricoteau being replaced by 24 actor Stefan Kapicic. Um, Deadpool hits cinemas in February 2016, so actually it won't be all that many episodes before we're discussing it in depth on the podcast. Kurt Russell has confirmed that he is in talks to join Guardians of the Galaxy 2 uh, with the role that he's up for, believed to be that of Peter Quill's father. Um, Russell was appearing on the podcast Happy, Sad, Confused and said that while he had been contacted by James Gunn and Marvel, he hadn't actually seen the first film, although he'd heard good things, and that he'd need to do so as well as reading the script for the sequel before he could even begin to think about joining the film. Um, As a Big, big trouble in Little China fan, though. Russell, for me, seems like real home run casting for Quill's old man. Um, and so, as a result, I can really only hope that he likes the script, because I would be totally on board for that. The animated Spider-Man film, written and produced by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, is still set to be released in 2018, but its release date has been moved back a few months from July 20th, 2018, to December of the same year. Now... That still means that we'll have a Spidey in some form popping up on the big screen every year for at least the next three years. Um, Civil War, solo Spider-Man film, animated Spider-Man film. But it does mean that we're going to get that one a little later than expected. Um, As for that film, we don't really know a whole lot about it. But I've got my fingers crossed that it's going to be a film that's going to be maybe treading on the popularity of the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoons, which kids seem to absolutely love, Um, and maybe features another Ultimate Spider-Man, the Ultimate Spider-Man from the comics, Miles Morales. Whether he's the main Spider-Man or not, it seems like the perfect way to introduce that character to younger audiences. 
And finally, according to Variety reporter Justin Kroll, the cast of Wonder Woman may be set for a shake-up. So, Nicole Kidman was in talks for the movie, but scheduling conflicts meant she couldn't join the cast and so wasn't part of the the cast announcement that accompanied that film going in front of cameras. Now, apparently the role she was set to play remains uncast, and Kroll tweeted that Patty Jenkins is currently trying to decide whether to just shuffle the cast around and move the already announced cast member Robin Wright into that role, which is believed to be Hippolyta, or whether to cast a new actress entirely. Either way, there will be one more actress required to join that film, so expect to hear a Wonder Woman casting announcement at some point soon. Okay, well, that is it for this week's comic book movie news. Let's move on to discussing this week's comic book recommendations. And we'll start off with Seb's recommendation, which was um, Iron Man, the secret origin of Tony Stark. Um, This was uh, issues 9 through 17 of the last volume of Iron Man before the all-new, all-different Marvel relaunch. Um, uh, this comes from uh, Kieran Gillen and Carlo Pagulian, and um, I read all of this on Marvel Unlimited. So if you um, if you want to go out there and read this, then you can do that that way. Now, so this is um, a nine issue arc, um, which, given that it starts with issue nine, I think obviously this is something that Kieran Gillen's arc on Iron Man had been building to, and I thought that maybe I did maybe lack a little bit of context, but. At the same time, the main character is Tony Stark, Iron Man, so I kind of know who that character is anyway, Um, and my kind of passing knowledge of what was going on with the character in the comics helped. So this is um, coming off the back of the time that Tony Stark spent... This is coming off the back of the time that Tony Stark spent in space as a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Now, in these comics, he isn't a guardian of the galaxy he or or he has been hanging around with them but at this present moment he is kind of left to go off on his own adventure um and he's tracking a robot uh, who goes by the name of 451 who was responsible for killing a lot of people on a planet and tony wants to bring him to justice um except tony has massively underestimated this robot um who is a lot more powerful than he could possibly have imagined and basically the robot tricks tony manages to hack into Tony's suit um, by controlling his at that his Jarvis equivalent at that time, which is called Pepper. And um, that Pepper is kind of manipulated by 451 into um, controlling the entire the entirety of Tony's suit and basically holding him hostage. Um, 451 uh, basically starts telling Tony that there is a whole story about his past that he didn't know about. And um, he is going to reveal Tony's past to him. Um, and as a result, reveal why that's important. Because there is something that 451 is going to want Tony to do. So the comic kind of, over the course of the first, I would say, at least four or five issues, is kind of flashing between telling a story of a Howard Stark, um, who is, um, at the time, his wife is pregnant and the baby is um, ill, and there is no human tech that can save him. Um, so Howard gets the help of this 451 who says, basically, he he's, he can implant this stuff in the baby, and tells Tony that he basically made Tony 
to be the man he is today and that he made him to be this very clever um, technology driving guy who basically was going to be able to grow up to fulfill his role as a protector of Earth and that he was going to do that not as Iron Man but in a different suit of armour that 451 has uh, got his hands on which is this five mile tall god killer thing which apparently will be able to protect earth from the from any threats from around the universe um the only problem is for tony to control it he will give up being the person he is um and this is something that 451 had planned all the way since his first involvement with howard stark and we kind of see the, the stuff in the past with Howard Stark kind of plays out. There is um, there are aliens in Las Vegas, and he has to first of all save four five one from these aliens, and then he has to go and take out these aliens. And it's lots of kind of Vegasy heisty kind of stuff that's playing out in the background while this real hard sci-fi story is going on in the present day, out in outer space with Tony Stark and four five one, and. I'll be honest, uh, reading it, I, 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 I kind of struggle with real hard, hard sci-fi um, a lot of the time. Um, and um, I was I was slightly concerned reading this for the first four or five issues as, as well because this did seem like a big comic that was set up as a retcon of Tony Stark. And if that retcon is taking away his agency and his, um, you know, him being a self-made man, that... That felt kind of like not great for the character, but it also made me. I had enough faith in the comic that I thought I thought, well, that that can't be what they're doing. So I started second guessing everything that I was reading, and one of my second guesses um, was spot on. But the other ones um, maybe I think prevented me early on from really enjoying it. And I wonder whether this might be a comic that's more enjoyable on a second read when you know exactly where it's going and you can just enjoy the the kind of the plot beats and all that kind of stuff. Um, now this is where I'm going to go into real spoiler territory because the final issue of this comic reveals something about Tony that is, um, it is a big retcon, but it's not a retcon in the terms of, uh, Tony was never responsible for anything he did. Um, what it turns out is the baby that we were talking about the whole time was not Tony Stark. It was actually a brother of Tony Stark. Um, and so this is Arlo Stark, who we meet right at the end. And I'll be honest, I think the reason that I might have been able to second guess this was at the back in the back of my mind, I might have heard about Tony having a brother. So I kind of went, oh, well, that's I, I guess that's not Tony. I'm going to assume that's not Tony because I just don't believe that this comic would be would be undermining the character in such a big way. Um, and I was right to have that faith. So, but, but but maybe there was a reason why I guessed it. Um and so Arlo was actually Maria and Howard's son who was designed to be the guy who was going to go in the Godkiller outfit. But Howard had realised that 451 was up to something nefarious and tried to counteract some of the stuff that 451 was doing to the fetus. As a result, Arlo was born, but Arlo was also ill. He had like um, breathing problems from the, from a very young age and was basically bedridden. And Howard and Maria realised that 451 at some point was going to come for Arlo and that they had to protect him from that and hide him. And so basically that is why Tony has never met Arlo because Arlo has been in, in a hospital wing in hiding for his entire life watching his younger adopted brother Tony become a global celebrity. 
And so that's the reason how Tony is able to save the day when he's fighting with 451 is that when he is plugged into the God Killer armor, it doesn't connect with him because he has never been genetically set up to do this. Arlo should have been the one to do that. Um, and it, it, it's actually quite nice as a kind of like thematic tie-up that actually the fear of the whole comic is that you're taking Tony's agency away from him when in fact all you're doing is actually doubling down on it. Um, and it's it's nice because it ends on a kind of a bittersweet note that Tony still kind of feels that his put strings were being pulled to an extent by the fact that his parents never told him he was adopted and he has to deal with that kind of stuff. Um, at the end of the comic, but also it doesn't, it, it kind of doubles down on Tony's achievements that, um, yes, he, he was kind of brought in to be a decoy to distract attention away from Howard and Maria's son, real son, but was still able to achieve everything that he did achieve, um, in his life as Iron Man. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was really interested in in those kind of ideas running through the back of the comic, and I think it's one it's one of those that I maybe once finished reading appreciated more than when I was in the process. It is nine issues long, and um, the pacing is kind of all over the shop because of the 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 way that the you know we've got flashbacks at some point, and then sometimes it's all unfolding on the ship. Because there were some points of this comic that I was going, I, I'm kind of enjoying this, but where is Tony Stark? And then all the flashback stuff kind of disappears um, and you just get this big space battle. And then even after the whole space battle is finished and Tony gets decides to leave the Guardians and come back to Earth and we're three months in the future at that point, there's still another one big final issue where the big revelation is revealed. Um, and... And so, yeah, that it was. It was. I would say there was. It felt sometimes like a story that could have been told faster. But then again, I'm not sure whether it should have been. Like it, it, it maybe needed to feel big and epic and important, and like it was really leading to this big kind of mic drop of a moment at the end. And um, and like I said, I think I think the moment at the end works, and it justifies a lot of the stuff that comes before. Um, some of the. Some of the God Killer stuff, um, that's the kind of the the big hard sci-fi kind of things that I was talking about having trouble with because 451 is talking about this God Killer existing in, in a in a war that raged thousands of years ago between the Celestials and some other um some other people on a planet. I, I some usurpers who wanted to take down the Celestials and managed and did manage to kill a lot of them with the with the God Killer armor and um, we we've also got four five one destroying planets and it, it, the the ideas are really big so it is this big hard sci fi story um, with with this personal drama going on in the middle of it um, and it's I, I thought it worked best when Tony was actually at the center of it. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, he's just, he's such a good character, I think, at this point. He feels on the page. I mean, he looks like Robert Downey Jr. and he talks like him. Um, and... Um, I, I do wonder how much of an impact the movie portrayal has had on that character on the page. Um, it fe- it feels the same in the current Iron Man run that I'm reading, um, it, the the most recent Iron Man comics, and um, I, I think that's probably one of one of the areas where maybe between the comics and the movies things have really helped in that you can you can just dip into an Iron Man comic and feel like you're reading the character that you know from the screen, which is. Very helpful indeed. But yes, yeah, so Iron Man 917, um, Secret Origin of Tony Stark, I, I would recommend and um, if if I ever have the time, I would look back, I would look forward to actually reading this again and maybe reading some of the issues that came before and after it to gain a little, get a little bit more context in the story. Uh, because, like I say, I think the reveal, the ultimate, what the story was driving at does justify a lot of what came before and made me go... Ha, okay, so maybe maybe all that second guessing I was doing, all that not quite trusting what I was reading on the page, some of that was beneficial at the time, but some of it I probably I was second guessing too much. So like I, I was just assuming that maybe all of the flashbacks weren't true. That the, the because there's Howard Stark running around Las Vegas doing heists of casinos that are run by grey aliens and trying to save a robot and uh, injecting his child and and all this kind of stuff. So yeah. Um, Make, make, there, some stuff I, I was right to second guess but other stuff I wasn't but yeah generally a thumbs up on Iron Man Secret Origin of Tony Stark uh, we'll move on now to James's recommendation which is Secret Avengers issues 1 to 5 um, this is from Ed Brubaker and Mike Diodato uh, again available on Marvel Unlimited um, so as James mentioned on the podcast last week this is actually it's kind of like a 4 issue story that has kind of like a 5th issue topper on it um, basically there's a fifth issue that the, the Nick Fury is involved in this story in some capacity um, except during the four issue arc of the main story it's not actually revealed why he is why why it's Nick Fury or why it's important that it's Nick Fury and the next issue is able to do that um the final issue, the fifth issue, is able to just kind of stop and pause and tell a one-issue Nick Fury story and explain who that guy is. And I would assume set up future stories. So, the Secret Avengers, this is... Um, the, the first issue kind of shows us Steve Rogers going around and kind of putting together this team of Secret Avengers. So, he's not the main Captain America anymore and he's not an Avenger. So, he's kind of putting together this covert team so we start off in a scene where Black Widow and Valkyrie, uh, Valkyrie, who I believe is a Thor character who is rumoured to be appearing in the next Thor movie, um, 
those two are kind of working undercover as escorts, seducing a Roxxon employee who has got an item that the Secret Avengers want to recover. So we meet those two, and then we meet Captain America. Um, he then goes back to his base, and we see that he's working with Beast from the X-Men. Um, there's also Sharon Carter, um, S.H.I.E.L.D. Agent 13. There is an Iron Man, uh, sorry, an Ant-Man, uh, not Scott Lang or Hank Pym. I believe this guy's called Eric, um, but I'm, I'm not sure on his full name. There is Moon Knight who looks like a kind of angsty Marvel Batman kind of character who I've never encountered before. Um, and I'm trying to think, there's, oh, there's War Machine. War Machine, that is Rhodey. War Machine. And um, I think that's it. Oh, and then there is Nova, who's never actually with the team because he is kind of intergalactic-based. But Nova is um, sent on a mission uh, on Mars by the team and becomes compromised, and that's what sets up the next three issues. So the, the first issue basically takes part on Earth. They, the item they recover is this serpent crown, this crown that kind of moves while they're not looking, and is kind of like looks like it's made of like metallic snakes. Um, and there is another one that Nova finds on Mars, except when he puts that that serpent crown on, he kind of gets taken over and controlled. And uh, the rest of the Avengers, the rest of the secret Avengers have to go up to the, up to Mars to kind of find out. They, they All they know is that he's missing. So they go up to kind of save him and then realise when he's there that he has been compromised and is being used as a tool to uh, do something nefarious on Mars. Um, and so it's, it's, it was kind of a strange comment. The first issue is kind of setting up this like covert operations kind of like spy spy kind of story like it has it has James Bond vibes in fact it reminded me in the first in the first couple of pages of Velvet in that you've got um, Black Widow and Valkyrie kind of dressed sexily to seduce this idiotic oil executive and steal something from him Um, uh, I I was kind of uh, uh, I did kind of have a problem with the art in this on a couple of occasions and not not the like the art style but I generally don't like it in superhero comics when the male characters are drawn with ridiculous muscles like muscles in places that you couldn't imagine and for some characters that works for other characters it works less but there's literally a moment in the fourth issue of this where Captain America is drawn with pecs so enormous that it actually looks like he's got, like, double D boobs. It's absurd. Um, And that then extends to the female characters, where when we first see Valkyrie and Black Widow, the two female versions of the team posing as escorts, which probably isn't the best way to introduce two female characters in your comic, but they are posing as escorts and wearing very slinky dresses. Slinky dresses to the point that when the, the two characters are shown in silhouette, the silhouette actually takes time to have a little bump where Valkyrie's nipple is to uh, to make clear that that's there. And there is lots of moments with the female characters with their backs to the camera and or backs, backs facing with lots of bum shots. Um, and it, yeah, I just I just generally didn't like the way that bodies were drawn, both male and female. But I thought the female ones were slightly more questionable. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I mean I I I really like comics like Hawkeye, where I, I didn't think at any moment in Hawkeye that 
either character was like that Clint Barton was drawn with rippling muscles and tight suits or Kate Bishop was drawn in any kind of sleazy way. Um, whereas this, I think, is kind of the cliche of what people would imagine comics are like. Um, I mean, I'm looking at a picture of Nova here where, honestly, I couldn't count how many abs he is supposed to have. Um, it's just flat out absurd. But so that was just that was just some uh, something that slightly bothered me. Um, and then talking about the last comic being hard sci-fi, this is the same. There is some monster living underneath Mars who is controlling Nova through the serpent mask who wants to be let out from underneath Mars and is using Nova to do so. So the other secret Avengers have to go up there and stop Nova. There is also a thing going on with a secret portal that Ant-Man travels through that takes him between Earth and Mars. Um, and basically, it's lots of just big fighting happening up on the Red Planet. Um, and I, I've generally I've generally struggled with team books since I started reading comics in general. I've read... Um, some I read a, a you know Avengers comics um, that James recommended in the past that I, d- I couldn't hugely click with, and I've read um, a couple of the all new Marvel titles that are team books, and I've just I've not been able to get on with them on any occasion to the extent that I have on solo character books, and I wonder whether that's maybe a product of me not having read as many comics in general that maybe I don't know these these characters as well as other comics readers would going into team stories. But I kind of feel like I just have like a very surface level knowledge of who these characters are. Um, But I never really feel that in any team book more than one or two of the characters have felt properly fleshed out to me. Like in this book... Nova could be anyone because he's been taken over by some evil force, so it it doesn't really matter that it's Nova. It it felt kind of important that it was Steve Rogers as the main guy in the team, and I thought maybe Valkyrie felt at least individual in that she was um, from Asgard and so stood out from the rest of the team, but I didn't feel like there was any moment in this comic where Moon Knight or War Machine or Black Widow had any kind of moment where I was like oh that is why that character specifically is here or that is a moment where I've got to know that character better than I did at the start of the story I would say the same for Beast as well it was almost like they're just they're just characters who are there because they're already characters in Marvel and would they work in the story like I understood that why that was the team that Steve Rogers had assembled that they all had kind of attributes that would work well in a covert operations team like Ant-Man can be small and Moon Knight seems to be a kind of like living in the shadows stealthy character um and Black Widow is obvious um so yeah I, I I kind of understood that but just this felt like a vehicle for a plot rather than a vehicle for telling interesting stories about characters whilst going through that plot it just felt like plot to me and that plot was fine but not too exciting now it was interesting to see some of these new characters that i hadn't seen before on the page and some on some even on the screen like i said i I vaguely barely know who moon knight is so that was 
that was at least interesting to see him pop up. I also enjoyed characters staying in their masks whilst wearing helmets on Mars. Uh, to <laughs> um, so yeah, I kind of like I didn't I didn't not enjoy this, but it didn't really do anything particularly for me, and it hasn't won me around on the concept of team books. I mean, I've even struggled with Guardians of the Galaxy comics when they're a team together, just because I was just like, whoop. There's not. I mean, I like these characters individually, but they're doing nothing for me as a team because there's there's not enough moments for each of them. And maybe in long running series there is, and maybe you can kind of flip focusing on certain characters in certain arcs. But it, it just doubled down on me appreciating the Avengers movie that was able to do this on the big screen. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm sure at some point I will be I will get to some comics where. Uh, the like, I'm sure there will be some X-Men comics and stuff like that that, that this concept really does work uh, and maybe have a longer format I guess X-Men Season 1 was probably the one that I've enjoyed the most where you could see, say that that was a team book but really then that only focused, that mainly that had a protagonist and then had supporting characters around her but yeah so that was Secret Avengers issues 1 to 5 um, and that's going to be our last main comic book recommendation of this year because that's it for this week and after this week we're going to be back with our award show which is going to be looking back on the first year of cinematic universe so we'll probably be looking back at some previous pitches at some previous comics recommendations um and at all of the movies and tv shows that we've covered from this year and handing out awards to the best and worst examples of them and i think um if you look back at the films we covered this year there is definitely some best and worst to get into um, I have to apologise to all listeners who were disappointed at the end of last week's show thinking that we were actually going to be covering Jingle All The Way. We've had more tweets than I was expecting saying that we would actually, uh, they would actually like us to cover that movie on the show. Um, we're not going to be doing that this year. Uh, I'm not going to rule it out in the future, but come on guys, that movie's terrible. It's really bad, really bad. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I'll do for you right now is I'll give you one little taste of what would happen on a Jingle All The Way show. And that would be me repeatedly saying, Put that cookie down! Now! So, there you go. <laughs> if you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast app of choice. And if you've already subscribed, then please leave us a rating or review, and we'll give you a shout-out on a future show. You can find more episodes of Cinematic Universe on cinematicuniverse.libson.com, or as we're a Film Divider podcast, at filmdivider.com. You can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter, at CU underscore podcast, or send us an email to cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com. See you next week. Hold up. 